White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Red Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence, and with me tonight, as always, is Chris Tannehill. Chris, how's your evening going? Oh, I'm doing just great. Everyone in the house is sleeping. I uh, got the Christmas candle going, had some Christmas music going upstairs earlier. Oh, it's just, it's a great time of year, Herb. I don't know if you get into the whole Christmas thing like I am, but it's just, it, it, it really is the most wonderful time of the year, like the song says. I don't get into it, but it's all right. It, it works. You won't yuck my yum. You'll, you'll deal no. with it. Okay, awesome. I appreciate but you, it. But you don't like? Do you do you not like eggnog? Um, you know, uh, I don't trust my my stomach with the old eggnog. I'd be willing to try. I, you know, I'd be willing to drink it with you. It's like in twenty fifth hour when Brian Cox tells his son Edward Norton, he's like, I haven't had a drink in thirty years, but I'll have one with you tonight. I'd have an eggnog with you. Cause that's your jam, right? You like the eggnog? Yeah, okay. especially with a little brandy. I had it oh. with some tequila the other day because I didn't have anything else, and it was delicious. It would probably eggnog be... is my favorite thing. My mom buys me buys a carafe of eggnog every year for Thanksgiving, just because she knows I love it, and no one else. She's like, "Take this with you," and no one else is gonna have it. I'm gonna throw it away. Man, a little eggnog with a little bit, like you said, bourbon or some some co- like that coffee tequila. Oh, that would probably be the goods right there. But uh, now you got mm-hmm. me thinking here. Uh, but here we are. It's uh, it's tender, non tender episode of Locked On White Sox. Here we are. This very weird off season uh, rolls along here with these formalities and contracts and non contracts, and you know, all of a sudden. You know, division rivals are making themselves considerably worse. You've got the Twins losing two real big cogs to their team, and we'll get to that in a second. But uh, the White Sox, we'll start with them. This is the Locked on White Sox podcast, obviously. And this episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you tonight by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off of your next order at BuiltBar.com. All right, so the White Sox this week, yesterday, as a matter of fact, you're listening to this Thursday night, this will go up. They have tendered Ronaldo Lopez. So Ronaldo Lopez looks like he's coming back for 2021, and we'll get to the new pitching coach, Ethan Katz, and what he had to say about Ronaldo Lopez. But the White Sox have non-tendered Carlos Rodon and Nomar Mazzara. Now, before we get into... Our thoughts on, on these uh, these three transactions there. Uh, let's read what Rick Hahn had to say in his statement in the press release, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Rick Hahn says, quote, A great deal of consideration and analysis goes into our decisions to forego the arbitration process and instead engage with players and their representatives as free agents, said Rick Hahn. We plan to stay in contact with both Noma and Carlos and evaluate their possible fit with our club as we move forward through the off season, so put that in your put that in your bonnet there uh, for later on in our discussion. Uh, let's start with Nomar Mazzara first, Herbie. Nomar Mazzara, we 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 
give Rick Hahn a lot of credit on this podcast. We know he's got a tough job when he's dealing with his boss, Jerry Reinsdorf. You know, he's not operating with 100% autonomy. But when he makes a mistake, you know, I'm not, I'm not afraid to call out Rick Hahn on this mistake. And this is a real bad one uh, in 2020. Nomar Mazzara was a negative .3 war player and 136 at-bats. He had 31 hits, one home run. It was a good one, though, off Trevor Bauer. He hit two twenty-eight, scored 13 runs, drove in 15, uh, OBP of two ninety-five, slug two ninety-four, good for a five eighty-nine OPS and just a 64 OPS+. Plus. Nomar Mazzara is on the, uh, the the Rick Hahn failure tree, wouldn't you say? Not one of Rick Hahn's better moves as White Sox general manager. No, not at all. And it's just like a shame they gave up uh, Steel Walker's Steel Walker, Texas Ranger, for Nomar Mazzara. Now, Steel wasn't any great shakes. He was, I think, in the top thirty of their prospects. But no one was like, "Oh man, you." You gave away a guy that might be a star eventually, but you did give away a young asset. He's, I think, 23 now, maybe 24. He was climbing through the minor leagues, and I think uh, he got to both levels of the uh, single A and had a pretty good clip in his first uh, professional year in 2019. And Or 2018 and 2019, he played uh, his first professional years. So, no one was just being like the guy they talked up because of his youth, because of the lefty bat, because of the power bat. None of this stuff really showed up. I mean, until the playoffs where we were really rooting for him to do well. And he did. And I'm not surprised that they uh, cut bait on him and, you know, maybe they'll try to get him back, but I hope Rick and Kenny and all the folks over there at the white Sox understand that it was a loser from the beginning Cut bait early, take your medicine, take your L, and move on. I think that's what winning teams do, and the Sox are lucky that they didn't sign Nomar Mazzara to a long-term contract. They're not saddled with this contract, especially in the COVID era, where it's not like a Jason Hayward situation where you have this albatross of a contract and you can't get around it and it prohibits you from making other moves. So they're not in that situation. So in that essence, it's not the worst mistake in the world. You know, Steel Walker would not have helped you in 2020, but Nomar Mazzara, you know, helped a a little bit in terms of a a playoff team. But uh, he's going to be gone, you would think. And, you know, we didn't get a chance to really shit on uh, on the White Sox management uh, so far this offseason because I, I had these uh, grand visions of, of criticizing them for their mishandling of the Marcelo Zuna situation. Now, I thought I had audio of them yucking it up. Uh, Rick Hahn and Jerry Reinsdorf, but it was only a report that John Heyman had is in the in the lobby of the San Diego hotel where the GM meetings were last off season, and they were laughing it up after uh, Hector Gomez had uh, rumors uh, that the that the White Sox were all in on Marcelo Zuna, who of course was an MVP candidate uh, in the National League this year, and they were laughing it up. You know, Jerry Reinsdorf said, "Did I have a senior moment? Uh, did we sign Marcelo Zuna?" And Rick Hahn's like, "Oh no, Jerry, you." Did have a senior moment we're just incompetent and we don't know good players when we see them <laughs> not to worry jerry so they laugh off this no Mar- this uh marcelo zuna thing he has a great year he would have been great in right field he had a a pretty good postseason there for the braves in their their short stint there 
Um, but obviously the team would have been much better off had they signed Marcelo Zuna. Now they can still make good on that and they could still acquire him this offseason. He's a free agent and you would look great in right field, at least with the bat anyway. So, you know, they, they were very, very loud wrong with the Nomar Mazzara thing. And there were so many other better options they could have uh, gone out there with. They could have maybe saved money and just put Adam Engel out there. We would have been cool with that. Um, we've talked about that before. But such is life. Nomar Mazzara is probably gone. I don't think they're going to all of a sudden run it back and think that he's going to be the player they envision him being, even though 2020 was an odd year with COVID and he had COVID or I don't know if, the, yeah, they, they said he had COVID and he, you know, he yep. just never was himself trying to get used to a new city, a new team. And in a short year, it's, it's kind of weird, but sometimes things don't work out and you just move on. But Carlos Rodon, on the other hand, uh, the other non-tender for the White Sox, you know, obviously drafted in the same draft as Kyle Schwarber back in 2014. And we'll get to Schwarber in a minute. Uh, makes his debut in 15, has the wrist injury in 16, spent significant time on the DL in 17. Rodon had shoulder issues in 18, and that's where really things you know fell apart for good. Uh, had Tommy John in 2019, and of course the IL stint, and he was a bit mismanaged uh, in the bullpen towards the end of 2020. But Carlos Rodon's career with the White Sox very frustrating. But back to the Rick Hans point about negotiating with players, you know, just I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they brought Carlos Rodon back for for less money because they know that you always need more arms down in that bullpen and you need depth there. Um, but just, you know, when you think of Carlos Rodon's White Sox tenure, you know, what, what are some of your thoughts that, uh, that you think about? I thought he was a steal, um, when they did get him third overall, I remember, uh, the lead up to that, he was talked about being the number one pick, but eventually wasn't because of, um, these injury problems. The people thought that his slider would cause him to have shoulder and elbow problems going, moving forward. I think the, the same thing was said about Chris Sale and the White Sox kind of laughed in the face of the people and said, hey, we'll do what we got to do with Chris Sale. And since they had success with him, like the same thing. They got a steal because other people were scared to pick this player who was one of the best pitchers, probably the best pitcher in NCAA at uh, North Carolina State. And I was very happy with his uh, arrival. Like whenever he pitched before the serious injuries, filthy he was a major league pitcher when he hit the mound um just the whole thing i think of with him is the injuries never can stay healthy and i don't think through any fault of his own you know that's just i mean i guess it's through a fault of his own because of the torque that his slider and his fastball and his pitches give on his elbow and the rest of his uh left arm so you can kind of blame him in that regard but that's how he made it to the league. That's how he became a top pitcher with the filthy back foot slider to a right-hander and one dives away from a left-hander. I think he still has some value in there. Like we are talking before uh, this happened, as a back of the rotation or back of the bullpen guy, you bring him for three outs where he, you just tell him, throw everything you want. Fastball sliders, throw as hard as you want. You're only in for these three batters, and that's it. And somebody can use that. Somebody definitely can use that, and I hope it's the White Sox. I know we have Chase Fry and Aaron Bummer available to us, but you can never have enough guys and maybe a spot start here and there if you wanted to. But I wouldn't, if I was the White Sox, depend on him being a starter in the future. If they do entertain bringing him back, bringing him back only for reliever spot starter duties. And if he wants just a fresh, fresh start somewhere else where he wants to start, 
Pittsburgh somewhere. Yeah, they don't have any expectations where he can just air it out for a buck fifty innings and do and let the chips fall where they may. Good luck to him. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned there's still something there possibly left in the tank, and you know, once those shoulder injuries hit for him. Uh, back in 18, you know, th- that's when things really fell apart for him. And that's where, you know, you started to see the slider wasn't quite as effective. It was once named, I believe, like one of the nastiest pitch in a whole of baseball was his slider when he had it going. And, you know, I'll never fault the White Sox for trying to, to stick stick to it with him. Because when you have grade A talent like that, and, you know, like you said, people thought he was a steal. He fell to the White Sox at that point. And we all thought, you know, we always talk about process over results. And everyone was thrilled to have Carlos Rodon back in Mm -hmm. that draft, you know, and just one of those things where, you know, sometimes things don't work out, but when you have first-round talent, guy who could have been literally the number one pick, when you have that type of talent, you can never really give up on those guys, and, you know, sometimes it doesn't work with the team that drafted them. Sometimes they have to reinvent themselves as pitchers, and I think maybe that's what Carlos Rodon has to do. I I would not be opposed to bringing him back for a little cheaper deal. Here's what I would do with him. I would just make make him a long man, Spot starter, like you said, don't put too much pressure on them. You know, I know pitchers love their routine and all, but you know, don't go into it with all these expectations. Just go there, like you know, in, in case of emergency, break glass. He'll be there for you. Eat up a few innings, maybe be an opener. You know, for for a bullpen game because he's used to the act of starting a game. But you have him only go like two, maybe three innings tops because that's uh, and you know this season that's all he was good for really anyway. And that you know that's okay. So maybe that's just what he is at this point. And you just kind of have to work with what, what he's given you. But, yeah, I, I would not hate it if they brought him back on a deal. But sometimes when you see these GMs out here talking about, oh, we're still on, you know, negotiations are ongoing. You saw, you know, Jed Hoyer say that with Carl, Kyle Schwarber earlier this week. Like, oh, you know, the process is always ongoing and we'd love to have him back. But, you know, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes they say these things and we don't mean them. But I think with Rodon, they mean it. So just, you know, stay tuned with that. It just I think $4.5 was supposed to be the number. You know, if you can get him for, you know, a couple million, you set you save a couple million. I think maybe that'd be an option that'd be intriguing to the White Sox. But just a very frustrating career and, you know, a, a good guy and a fiery competitor that I wish we could have seen more of. I, I thought for sure Chris Sale, Carlos Rodon, top of the rotation for many years. You add Q in there. You know, I, I thought it was going to be dynamite rotation, but that's that's baseball, Susan, as John Sterling always says. So uh, we'll see what they do with Carlos Rodon going forward. Um, Ronaldo Lopez, uh, going to br- run it back with him. I predicted that maybe they would cut their losses with him because he wasn't one of their guys. He wasn't the centerpiece uh, of the Eaton trade, so they would just let him go because he was as frustrating as anyone else. You know, it's frustrating when a guy's out there and he, and he doesn't deal with a lot of injuries, where he's just out there just being bad. So it's, it feels like you give those guys less less of a leash, but they decided to run it back with him, and we had New Sox pitching coach Ethan Katz uh, on our station today, and he seemed very, very excited uh, he's kind of a guarded guy, quiet guy, but you, I encourage you guys to go to 670thescore.com and check out the interview. But he, you know, in his mock interview process, he said he flagged uh, arm action with Ronaldo Lopez as one of the things that he, he was looking at to improve immediately. So I talked about, oh, it's probably too late in the game for him to make any improvements if they were going to non-tender him. What's the point? But they tendered Ronaldo, and he'll be back. And he said he profiles him maybe as, as a hard-throwing bullpen guy, which is what we've been saying all along. So uh, wh- what are your thoughts about the White Sox trying to run it back with Ronaldo? Uh, going back to my earlier point about always needing arms down there in that bullpen. I just I'm I've been done with Ronaldo for many <laughs> many years now, so I understand why they're doing it. Young, 
talented arm plus you know i think i said it he has just as much talent and much stuff as lucas giolito and that's what they probably see that's probably what ethan katz sees he says yeah i saw problems with lucas we fixed it we got him back on the right track now if i can have this uh, piece of clay right here and i can mold it in the way i need to mold it we get him back on track it's negligible and the money's not that much He's relatively young, and yeah, so it's fine. I would have just you know cut bait on it, but I understand them wanting to have a guy they traded uh, Adam Eaton for on the team because you know you just saw uh, your, your top guy uh, is great, and Dunning showed a little promise. But if you get three for three on that trade, you feel excellent. You oh. feel like you've won that trade big time. Especially if they, you reacquire Adam Eaton, then you really won the trade. Uh, <laughs> No, no, no. Okay, no. I All think right. he resigned with them anyways. Did by he? The way. Okay, yeah. yeah I, I didn't see he, that. That was very like, quiet. He, yeah, yeah. He's like, uh, I'm not going anywhere. No one wants me, so let's <laughs> resign with these Natinals. Um, but yeah, fine. It's fine. Not not bad. I just I know what's gonna happen. I'll I'll be gladly come on these uh, podcasts and say I was wrong about Ronaldo Lopez. They. I'm glad they kept him because he's our third best starter yeah. on the team. I was wrong but about him last year. I thought he was going to take the step last year, and I was wrong. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so these guys, like sometimes they develop at their own pace, and sometimes they don't develop at all. So you know, I don't know what 2021 holds for for Ronaldo Lopez. You know, you look at the rotation though. You know, you you figure they're going to go out and acquire someone. Uh, to be at least a, a, the top, you know, half of the rotation, be like a number two or number three guy. But you, you got Geo, you got Keuchel, you got Cease, who also Ethan Katz is excited about. You'll hear that uh, more of that in the next episode. Yay, 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 yay! And you got Michael Kopech. You know, so it's pretty full of the rotation as it is, and I'm not giving anything to Kopech, but I'm just assuming that he's going to, you know, no no arm problems in spring. And if he was that guy that we saw in that one magical inning back in March before the world stopped, you know, I you know, I, I have no problem running Kopech out there. But, yeah, I, just, I don't know where the room is for Ronaldo. But these guys get hurt a lot, man. And, you know, just having guys around uh, in the bullpen just there for you, that's, that's where World Series are won with depth. And sometimes you need guys to have career years where you didn't expect them to have it so yeah with 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 Ronaldo not surprised hoping for the best and you know we'll see what Ethan Katz uh, can do is Ethan will fix him that's what we're saying now we said Coop will fix him for 20 years and I will say Ethan will fix him give him a weighted ball he'll be fine um coming up next after a quick timeout here I'm going to go over some of the names in Major League Baseball who were non-tendered and see if Herb likes any of them maybe uh, to fill in some of these holes that the White Sox have uh, but first a quick word from Built Bar Built Bar it's the best tasting protein bar ever Hey, if you're dreaming of a great snack, a healthy snack, and you're dreaming of a white Christmas, Built Bar's dreaming of a white Christmas, too. They've got the brand new, all new, delicious white chocolate bar while supplies last at BuiltBar.com. It's got just 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 5 grams of sugar. There's also the white chocolate salted caramel bar. Only 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. As you know, Built Bars are always covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And let's be honest, folks, they're delicious, and my mouth is watering thinking about these new flavors. I'm going to have to get some myself at BuiltBar.com. There's also two free candy cane brownies free with every item purchased. And those candy cane brownies, you think brownies, oh, it can't be good for you. Wrong. 
150 calories only, 17 grams of protein, and just 7 grams of sugar. If you're doing your holiday shopping for someone in your life who enjoys a good snack, they're going back to work hopefully in the new year, keep some of those snacks in their desk drawer, keep them in the car, keep them when you're out doing yard work or whatever, hanging those Christmas lights. If you know a person like that who enjoys a snack on the go, health conscious person who likes their protein bars, maybe they haven't tried Built Bar yet. Turn them on to Built Bar right now by going to BuiltBar.com and getting 25% off while supplies last. Don't forget our promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. All right, we're back now, and I mentioned earlier we've got some non-tenders from around the league. It's very interesting names here, and it's kind of depressing. This could be one of those things that work out for the White Sox in the end because they caught so many bad breaks during the course of their rebuild with, with injuries and things like that and bad trades and pretty much everything. Um now they're in a position where there's some pretty solid talent out there available for a fraction of their previous market value and they could fill a lot of these holes pretty quickly and, for, and pretty cheaply let's let's face it where the Sox are in a good position where they don't need a, a lot of acquisitions their roster is pretty solid the guys are locked in for many years but they just have a few holes you got your right field gaping hole you've got backup catcher you got starting pitcher, and I say backup catcher because the two New York teams looks like they're going to get into a bidding war for James McCann services, which uh, God bless, but let's, we're going to work under the assumption that the Sox need a backup catcher. So uh, a few names here. The most notable name, the most uh, household name here out of the guys that were non-tendered, Kyle Schwarber for the Cubs. Uh, of course, played left field for them in DH this year. I don't think they're going to have DH in the National League next year. I think Jed Hoyer knows that, so they decided to cut bait. Uh, but Schwarber was a three F war player last year, a lot better than than I thought anecdotally. Just with 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 my eye test, you had a lot better year than I thought. You were selling me on him earlier when we talked about it, and I think I've come around to the idea. But you know, what do you what say you, Herb, about the White Sox maybe uh, kicking the tires on Kyle Schwarber? I say it's a no lose situation for everybody. I think it's a win win. Um, he is a twenty eight year old who's got some talent. I mean, the guy has a plus arm. Defense, not great. But I don't think he's a butcher out there either, as people would uh, classify him. I think you have used the example of Kyle Schwarber getting better at left field as hope to see Eloy take that step. So his arm is plus. So if we needed to put him in right field, it would play. It will work in that regard. If we need to put him as the designated hitter, which we've already established, that's probably going to be Andrew Vaughn's spot. But a platoon in that regard, or Kyle Schwarber being in the lineup somehow in some way uh, for about a buck thirty, buck forty-five games for the White Sox seems like a no-brainer to me. I mean, we always talk about handedness, and this is a way where we're not forcing handedness. This is a guy who can actually hit, and I mean, not hit for average, but hit for power. He had 38 home runs, I believe, in 2019. Hit about 14 or 15 this past uh, shortened season. Guy is a uh, person that I just don't know why the Cubs non-tendered him. $9 million is a drop in the bucket, especially for what he gives you. Um, he's part of the core. Maybe they're doing that thing where, we're no, we're not going to re-sign him, but I have to believe there's got to be a team out there that will give you some type of good, valuable asset for Kyle Schwarber. For him to just be on the streets, free agent right now, is amazing. I'm, I wouldn't be shocked if he's signed by 
some team in the next week. Yankees, Red Sox, some team in the American League with a desire for a designated hitter has a short porch in left or right field because he can do both. But, yeah, if he's uh, available uh, and the White Sox have interest, I'll be 100% with that, him being a White Sox. And you just put him wherever you need to put him in the lineup is his position. God, that, that would be perfect for him, you know, going to one of those AL East teams because – you know, when Schwarber's at his best, he's going opposite field. You know, like it's like Jim Tomey in a lot of ways, where you know he's locked in when he's going opposite field. And put him in Fenway Park, where he can just bang doubles off the green monster every other day. And plus, you don't have to worry about playing left field there quite as much. And then, of course, Yankee Stadium, you have the very short porch and right. I think that would that would be that's a no brainer for them. But as far as the White Sox goes, I mean. You know, he'd have to be pretty bad to follow along in the tradition of the DHs they've had recently. And I was I was mm-hmm. on Twitter tonight and I saw, you know, and, and you know, we talked about Andrew Vaughn a lot being the starting DH only because I think for financial reasons they'll slot him in there. But I was looking at Josh Nelson and P. Knowles and Pete Hand. They were all having a back and forth and they brought up the point of Andrew Vaughn has never really hit higher than Class A, and all of a sudden you're just going to hand him the keys to the DA troll in 2021 when you're in your World Series window. And I had to really think about that. And sometimes I think, you know, you're better off, you know, taking teams, catching them off guard, and you know, putting guys who have no real scouting report on them, and just letting your youngsters play. Especially what we know about baseball, it's just getting younger and younger and younger. So I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world. But when you look at all the established veterans young veterans on the White Sox team just being able to, to you know slide Andrew Vaughn in there when you all of a sudden you have fans back in the stands playing 162 the pressure of winning now like this team had no pressure of the fans in 2020 but now you throw them into the fire with with hopefully with fans for most of the year and pressure of winning I don't know if I like that idea so much which is why I've really come around to having Kyle Schwarber maybe slide in at, at that DH role for the White Sox, then you can have Adam Engel and Wright permanently. You'll have solid defense there, and then you'll have the best of both worlds with the power in the DH slot that you haven't gotten uh, recent years from Edwin Encarnacion. But there's another guy that plays the outfield uh, that is an interesting option here. Minnesota Twins, they're they are not as good of a team as they were when the season closed. You know, they, they got swept by the Astros. But they're they're losing some significant pieces here, and it could be the dismantling, maybe, or at least they're going to have to reinvent themselves on the fly. But they chose to non-tender Eddie Rosario, who, uh, of course, their outfielder, two point one F WAR player in twenty twenty. Uh, a big part of what they've done with, with you know with the Bomba Squad, and you know, just one of those guys that always seems like kills the White Sox, and just adds real depth to a lineup. But what do you think about the uh, the you know proposition of having Eddie Rosario maybe slotting out to, to right field for the White Sox in 2021? Um, I know he kills the White Sox for 100%. Um, maybe uh, addition by subtraction in that regard. You get him on the squad. Yeah, you know, doesn't do it against you now. It does it for you. He's a season away from a 30-100 home run year. Just a solid contributor. Nothing real special. I don't know if I would give him most of the at-bats. I would have to do a platoon with him uh, where him and Adam Engel are uh, sharing at-bats. Uh, so, so then you're talking about was, Nomar, Nomar Mazzara part two, essentially. Yeah, but with I think better production. a little bit, a yeah. little bit better production, yeah. a little older. I think he might be 29, 30 years old. So, yeah, there, it, it's a move that uh, can't hurt, might help right there. I, I w- Yeah, I wouldn't. You know, like I said, I wouldn't put him in there for buck fifty, 
but a hundred bat, a hundred games for uh, Eddie Rosario, I'm in. Yeah, I think that would, that'd be a, a sound logical option. Like that's that's a good piece right there. That's that a rebuilding team, like maybe like the Tigers, who wants someone who who's been around a winning culture and has produced already, has a good track record. Getting a guy like Eddie Rosario, all of a sudden, like there's a lot of guys out here who you can add to your roster and really like you know cut some corners here and accelerate if you're a team in the rebuild or a team maybe on the cusp like you think about a team like the angels who are right there maybe they've got talent but they just need to fill some holes there's a lot of guys out there um you know obviously you talk about backup catcher and you know some guy who i you know i've always uh you know thought was decent in his role in cincinnati you're gonna need someone all of a sudden to back up james mccann and i was looking at someone like kurt kazali who was a one uh, i thought you were gonna go tucker barnhart Oh well, I do have the Tucker Barnhart bobblehead, which we got. I think it was in uh, the it was September of 2018, back at the Great American Ballpark, friends. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's skyline chili, waiting an hour for ice cream. Yeah, you can't beat it. No shade in the whole damn place. Yeah, it's great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that place I, down to yeah, the ground. But I did not see Tucker Barnhart on this list. So I, I think he's going to run it back with the with the Reds. But yeah, Kurt Kazali. Uh, was uh, was was released and he's really probably the best option I think for catchers so if the, the Sox you know I don't feel too great about Zach Collins so I would maybe kick the tires on old Kurt Kazali and see he had 18 home runs uh in, in 2020 so a guy that can that can hit the ball out of the ballpark for you a little bit one more home run uh or no several more home runs than James McCann did so yeah that that's another hold on, option. hold on hold on I I don't have that I don't have the eighteen. I have eight home runs. Oh, eight no, home six runs. Six home runs. Oh, maybe that I was have in, six home runs in twenty twenty. Okay, maybe that was nineteen then that I'm looking at. Yeah, it's nineteen, I think. So, but yeah, so you know that that's a, a decent guy maybe to, to plug in behind um, behind Grandal. So that that's another hole they got to, to fill. It seems like here with James McCann, looks like he's on the way out. Uh, what would what would you do at that backup catcher spot as as we try to round out this roster for the White Sox in twenty twenty one? And you and we're trying to go bargain basement shopping here on some uh, relatively premium talent here that just left by the wayside by these other teams who decided that they're poor now. Yeah, I mean, Kirk Sally looks exactly like the perfect backup catcher to what uh, Grandal does. He's a right-handed hitter, throws from the right, of course, and has a solid bet. I mean, the last couple of years, he's been pretty decent. Uh, 126 OPS plus last year in the shortened season, 88 the year before, 115 and the year before that, 2018. So a guy that can handle himself with the bat, Got on base at a 370 clip last year. So, yeah, coming off the bench and giving you a couple at bats during the week and giving uh, Yasmani a cool uh, rest every once in a while, this is, seems like the perfect type of catcher. And you're not depending on uh, Zach Collins to do the job. Which I is, think, above all, that's what we're most concerned about, I think. Yeah. If he eventually becomes the guy that they thought he was, fine. But I think playing him every day, I think not playing him this past year in some capacity, you know, maybe just being down in Schaumburg the whole time would have been better for him. But like sitting on the bench and just absorbing, you know, knowledge is good. But for a young player, not playing a whole year of baseball is troubling, especially a guy that was, you know, trying to get it. And another year of AAA, I think he would have probably, you know, dominated that league and then had a little bit more confidence about himself. That's what I want 2021 to be for Zach Collins. Knock AAA out of the fucking park and do whatever you need to do to feel the best about your game that you can feel. And then to 2020, uh, 2022, if we're, you know, maybe starting to move away from Yasmani Grandal, even though he has two more years, 
left on this deal after, right then, maybe we could see a backup role. And then on the last year of Yasmani Grandal's deal, you just naturally transition into Zach Collins. But for now, yeah, that kid just needs some more ABs down in the minor leagues. And Kirk Casale, anybody who's played in the league for a certain amount of time, but this guy's bat looks like it plays. I don't know how good his defense is, but I'm looking at a defensive war, which is not a great metric. It's just negligible. It's 0-0 for last year. A quick couple other names here that's uh, interesting. Ryan Tapera goes from uh, having a National League MVP vote to being non-tendered by the Cubs. Uh, <laughs> uh, Cubs with a, with a few notable non-tenders this week, and also Albert Almora Jr. Uh, non-tendered by the Cubs. And you know, I'm sure you you've dealt with Albert. You know, working on Lawrence's home show, and I've certainly dealt with him enough. You know, he, he was a contributor for the afternoon show on the Score for uh, season season and a half or so. And just a classy dude, man. Like, you know, one of my favorite uh, athletes that we ever had the chance to work with. You know, he, he was the Theo's first draft pick in 2012 and never quite panned out. You know, still one of the most iconic moments uh, in, in, you know, Cubs history with his famous tag up in game seven of the World Series. Uh, you know, that, that ultimately, uh, you know, he scored the run off of Zobris double there. And, uh, you know, just a guy that never panned out, and don't let everyone, anyone tell you that you know that, that they walk on water on the north side because that was their first draft pick, and I thought it for sure he's going to work out, but you know things never quite uh, panned out for him, and you know he had that tragic incident where his foul ball hit that little girl in the head. You know, I, I don't know how much that that played into the mental aspect, but he was always a dude I who I you know felt like was uh, just a just a real. Like a Paul Konerko type, like always in his own head, just a grinder, a hardo, which I liked about him. You know what I mean? Like he didn't like when Anthony Rizzo was out there pitching. Like he's kind of a hardo in that regard, so I always liked that about him. But it just didn't work out for him. And you know, I, it, I would I would love to see things work out for him because he's such a nice dude, man. Just a class act, and uh, yeah, man. So that this, you know, there's so many names out here on on these lists uh, of non tenders that could help the the White Sox. I don't know if Albert Almora is one of them, but I just wanted to share those words about about Tico right there uh chi chi gonzalez right-handed pitcher is out there for you just i would love to have the white Sox have a guy named chi chi especially you see those new new era hats that they rolled out with the the shy, the shy it says just shy on it um but so i thought that maybe he can wear those uh, get two of them um jose urania uh, a, a name int- intriguing maybe a uh an ethan katz can can fix some type of guy who's a half an f4 player in 2020 one of the marlins guys that was uh you know uh lost because of covid protocols and things like that and he had some arm issues i think and there's a lot of interesting names here delano de shields maybe a guy that replaces uh uh gerard dyson as your off off the bench stolen base guy you know played a lot for uh for cleveland and the rangers and maybe that's a guy who you sort of round out the roster with and snag him up a guy that can play outfield in a pinch and maybe a guy that can steal some bags for you late in the game it's like little moves yeah. like that now that you have to consider making and his uh, sister, Diamond Shields, plays for the Chicago Sky right here. Oh, so perfect fit. Let's make it happen. Perfect fit. <laughs> Get it done already. But yeah, that that's about it. Uh, you know, unless there's any any names you had to get to that you you find you know interesting. Michael Franco as a guy who you know when you watch the Royals play, you're like, man, I, I wish someone could unlock him, and I'd like to see him for a full season. But you know, with his position, it doesn't really work for the White Sox. But yeah, man, it's just it's going to be an interesting off season, and guys are not going to get paid what they're worth, even though the owners have the money to pay them what they're worth. But I think the White Sox, back to my point earlier, they're in a position now where they can fill these holes in their roster for pennies on the dollar and maybe this is where their luck comes back in, into fortune after having so much bad luck 
for so many years during the course of the rebuild there. But that's all I got for you guys tonight. Uh, on tomorrow's episode, you're going to hear from some of the guys that's uh, on the new coaching staff. You'll hear from Tony La Russa's new bench coach, Miguel Cairo, on why he thinks Tony La Russa is so great. You'll hear from the new pitching coach, Ethan Katz. And uh, you'll hear uh, from our guy, hey, Frank Manichino. How you doing? I'm Frankie. I'm back. I ain't going anywhere. All right? I'm, I'm going to be here for a long time, so get used to me, okay? You'll hear from that's Frank. A, that's why Coop's not on the team. <laughs> you can only have one New York talking uh, coach on the squad at a time. Absolutely. And we'll talk about a little maybe drama with Tim Anderson. Oh, no. Here we go again. But that's all I got tonight, Herbie. Before we get out of here, you guys got to check out Locked On MLB prospects if you're the type of baseball fan that can't help but get giddy over prospects you white Sox fans i know you're in that group we still got some pretty good prospects in the Sox system we have the podcast for you it's locked on mlb prospects hosted by minor league play-by-play voice aram layton is the only daily podcast devoted entirely to the stars of tomorrow from team focused farm system breakdowns prospect rankings and interviews with some of the brightest up-and-comers in the game locked on mlb prospects is the way to stay plugged in on the future of your favorite team subscribe today wherever you get your podcast yeah and so for chris Tannehill, follow him at chris Tannehill on twitter me herb lawrence on ector wall 23 on twitter and the show is at locked on socks on twitter and instagram so thank you for listening to this episode what was it like 81 there was no players so don't worry yeah 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 we, <laughs> we didn't get into it so it's episode 81 of locked on socks